Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
episode three of Out of the Groove Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. My name is Eric Estep. I am joined as always by NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Brennan Poole. Brennan, you're looking mighty fine today. Very, uh, very dapper. Very Thanks, nice. Sir. Thank you. I'm feeling good too. It's a, it's a great, wonderful day in North Carolina. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to chat racing with you. We got a freaking amazing guest today. Yeah, this is going to be crazy. This episode is going to be crazy, man. Yeah. Mark Martin, NASCAR Hall of Famer, will be joining us oh, in about 10 or 15 minutes or so. Um, but first, we have to tell you about Circle B Diecast. Uh, you can Absolutely. use code. You can use code OOTG, that's short for out of the groove, OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30. Uh, we really appreciate Utica, yes. Uh, we appreciate Circle B Diecast uh, supporting the show, sponsoring the show. Uh, Brennan, I'm in a good mood this week. The Super Mario Bros. movie comes out, uh, I think, Wednesday or Thursday night. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to go opening night. But at, see, I grew up more of a Sonic the Hedgehog fan. I'll be honest. That was a okay. 90s game. I was a 90s kid. But Mario still holds a deep place in my childhood. Me and my best friends would play Mario Kart, Super Mario Bros., whether it was the 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 uh the GameCube, the Wii, the Wii U, the Switch. We're still hanging out every few weeks. We'll hang out at someone's place and play Mario Kart. So I don't know. I'm I'm hyped about the Mario movie. Have, are you excited about the Mario um, movie? I mean, I'm not not excited about it, but I mean I'm I Chris Pratt as Mario, I think is is a question mark for me. So I'm curious mm. to see how that sounds because when you know the, the trailers I see, you know, it's not like, oh it's me and Mario. It's like Hey, I'm Mario. So, like, I don't know how that's gonna pan. I don't know how that's gonna be on uh, in the movie. So, I am curious to see see what that is. But I'm listen. I think I'm gonna try to. I want to see this Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons movie that just came out. I'm gonna try. I'm literally after we get off. I'm gonna try to go and see that movie this evening. Possibly do a little date night with Lindsay and go to the movies. I did just see 65, the Adam Driver oh. like dinosaur sci-fi. Like, yeah. what happened if humans landed on Earth? Back when the dinosaurs were here, be honest with you, yeah, just nah. nah. I, mean, if you like, I like sci-fi stuff, and it just didn't get home for me. Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to see that because I love sci-fi stuff. Adam Driver's cool, and yeah, the concept, Adam Driver, dude. yeah, the concept of like a human going. I don't know if he does. He's not going back in time or something. I don't know how it no, works. They but, like they crash land on Earth. They he's whoa. like a shipping deal, and there's like some foreshadowing. I don't want to ruin it for those that do want to see it. I think you yeah. should see it. I'm just saying, like. Adam Driver, the concept, everything, I was like, this movie's going to be off the chain, like an amazing film. And then it was just kind of like, you know, I was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. I also saw Cocaine Bear. I don't know. Did I tell you that? I saw oh, Co- no. Cocaine Bear I over, didn't go to over the West Coast trip. That was funny. It had some good laughs. Okay. If it's on TV, I will stop and watch it. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. I, like, was, was it like funny, good, bad, or is it, you know, yeah, it was, was it actually funny. good? Was it actually funny? It was actually funny. I laughed out loud multiple times, oh, but sweet. it's kind of kids doing drugs. I think does that is that funny to people? I guess I don't it's know. It's more funny bears, when bears do drugs and bears go on a it. rampage. Kids. It also happens to kids in the movie. Not throw mm. anything away on accident, and that made. I mean, I laughed during it. So I don't know if that makes me a bad. Uh, it's a comedy film, guys. Don't hold it against me. I, don't I like know. it. Comedy horror. Did did that uh, Winnie the Pooh horror movie ever come out? Is that out yet? Did, I remember. I think that, it came out, but I yeah. I didn't I didn't see it. That looked like it was just funny, bad, maybe bad, bad, like just not good. Uh, I I love the idea of all these. Can I, you make Winnie the Pooh scary though? <sighs> can you? I don't know if you can. The heffalumps and woozles are kind of creepy. If Winnie the Pooh kicked the door in and came in, he was like all dark and honest. I'd be like, "You're Winnie the Pooh, man." Get out. <laughs> get out of my face. Get get out of here. You <laughs> well, know? 
Yeah, I, I feel like it's a it's a dark time at the theater right now. I, I'm, I'm hoping the Super Mario movie is good. Bring some light. Bring some light to it. I can tell you one yeah. thing: my nephew is going to be there immediately. Mm. He's like all. He was at Richmond this past past weekend, and that's they were already talking about. It. They were planning their night out. He's got friends going. They're all going to see the Mario movie. I'm like, man, I feel like maybe I'm going to have to go check it out too, just so I don't feel like I'm left out. I'm looking forward to Chris Pratt's more gritty, grounded take on uh, the on Mario plumber on character. <laughs> yeah, I, method, I guess method acting for this role. I I like uh, uh I don't know. There's a lot of great actors. Jack Black is Bowser. I can't wait to see that as well. I've been really enjoying watching the media tour for this movie. Jack Black is an absolute loose cannon. He's uh, funny. He's hilarious. He's great. He's great. Um, I always forget that he has a YouTube channel. I don't know if he still updates it regularly, but he was like, he got big on YouTube a few years back. Like he's like a, like a YouTuber now. And I don't want to see. That's like, he's just crossing everything off the bucket list. He's Jack Black. He can do what he wants. No shame. (laughs) Um, Well, you mentioned Richmond. We can start to segue to Richmond. Before we talk about Richmond though, uh, I do want to show off our favorite diecast. This show is sponsored by Circle B Diecast. And because Mm. Mark Martin is our very special guest, I pulled a very nice car uh, out of the back. I I need to put this one out on display. It's an absolute disservice that I have this car sitting in my closet more times than not. Don't say that. Mark's going to come back and wrap this. No, you got him in the closet. Now Mark has come out of the closet (laughs) and uh, we've got his... 1998 all-star uh, win paint scheme. This this is, to me, one of the great uh, paint schemes. Mark Martin had a lot of great paint schemes, especially in his Roush days. I have an old vintage T-shirt from his, I think, 2000, year 2000 Vaveline scheme. But there are some great Vaveline schemes back in the day. Uh, this one's similar era, different sponsor, different color scheme, but I love it. Black and yellow, a little bit of red and orange. It even has the little red, uh, the red wheels here as well yeah. to, to tie it all together. That's a good race car. Yeah, one of my favorites for sure, and he won... Uh, uh, the all-star race, uh, his first all-star win was in this paint scheme back in 1998. I was about six months old, probably. Cause when was it like May, 1998, my birthday yeah, is November 97. I was seven. And I think seven you, months or seven, uh, oh, seven, seven years, years. Oh. seven years. I'm oh. old, man. I'm oh. old. I'm, older. <laughs> I'm in this generation in our community. I'm the old guy. I, I've come. It's that's what it's come down to now. I don't uh, think you know? so. I, I don't. I, I think will now die cast that we were six months old. And I'm like, yeah, I probably yeah. watched that race. Yeah. I've seen the replays. <laughs> yeah. You've seen the replays. The archive okay, I footage. <laughs> I guess it's my turn. We got Talladega coming up in a few yes. weeks. I think oh, yeah. I will have race Talladega before our next episode comes out. So let's just go ahead and get this one in. Oh, he's reaching. Oh, Ooh, this I, thought, is... I, I thought you were reaching for the Daryl Waltrip for a second there. You oh. thought I was, I thought I was going to do it too, but I have to do it. This is uh Dale jr. Talladega race version. When you can see the donut on the door. Okay. Oh, right there. And if you notice the front bumper and everything, I think there was some tape on this. If I'm not mistaken, there is on how they tape the nose. Actually. It's like the race version. He's got some like fender damage too. Look at this. This eight's all messed up all in the glare. See it. All oh, the donuts my. down the side. That's a beauty. When he, when he won the race. So yeah. Um, this is this is awesome. It's got like the rubber marks and stuff all across the hood. It's kind of hard to tell, but I promise you guys, it is there. The glare is not doing me justice. But this car, I always thought was so cool. Like I loved raced version cars. Like as a kid, like you, yeah. like, it's always cool to have it. And of course, this one won. And I think it was a big moment for Dale Junior. Junior, if you're listening to this show, which you know, hopefully you are. Um, oh, he's a, he's an on, avid fan. Have me on have me on your show, and I'll bring. This. <laughs> You probably have multiple of these, but uh, you can at least you know sign it for me, please, sir. Um, but yeah, this uh, 
Uh, this car is, dude, it's just a cool car. I That's mean, a great car. Raced version. Win. I don't even have very many race version ones, and this is one of them. I'll be pulling out the other ones as the year goes on, but this is one of my favorite cars. That's a great one. Dang. Uh, this is a strong week for uh, for our diecast segment. And if you're listening to this or watching this and you're looking to strengthen your diecast collection, head to circlebdiecast.com. Again, you can use promo code OOTG uh, for free shipping on any order over 30 dollars. Uh, before we bring Mark Martin in here, because I, I, I am very much looking forward to talking to Mark, NASCAR Hall of Famer, a legend, uh, one of my idols growing up. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about Richmond because Brennan, you here were celebrating a milestone. 100, I did. 100th Xfinity <laughs> start. Congrats. Good job. Thanks. Made it. Clap track. Clap track. Yes. Added in from, um, yeah, that was really cool. Um, a lot of my guys and family and people came to the race and were wearing um, my commemorative uh, 100th start shirt. If you guys want to get it, check it out. It's at, on the Daily Downforce in yeah. my merch area, or you can click the link in my Instagram. If you're not following me, please follow me, guys. Come on, help <laughs> me out. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we that was really, really cool to get to 100 starts. I think there was a one point in my career, I didn't even think I was going to get to 100 starts after some of the stuff happened in my career mm. that many of you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so just super cool. I think a uh, little five-year-old Brennan dreaming of NASCAR days and being older and to, to get there. If you were to tell him he was going to make a hundred NASCAR Xfinity series starts, I think he would be pretty stoked on that. So, um, really cool milestone, cool to get to 100 and, uh, here's to getting to 200 total NASCAR starts. I'm so close. Oh, yeah. uh, depending on how many truck races I get to run this year or whatnot have you, I'm going to be really close and be close to like, like 180, 190 ish, like close on the start. So I'm getting close. I, I would really like to get to 200 starts. I think that would be also like the next cool milestone, 200 total NASCAR starts. That would be, that'd be pretty neat. You've made a hundred more uh, Xfinity starts than me. Uh, oh, you know, someone who made their first Xfinity start in the past uh, couple weeks since our last episode was also our most recent guest who won the truck race at Texas, Carson Hosevar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally forgot about this. We didn't talk about this before the show, but yeah, yeah. talk about some power hour podcast luck. Carson, he no longer won. second. He's Dude. first. He's first. How Congrats. about that? I did get to talk to Carson at Coda after our show because I had went right there after we, we uh, recorded with him. And uh, yeah, we were like chatting on pit road and just cutting up with one another. And that was, uh, that was fun. Um, of course we had a little bit of a relationship before we shot our first episode regardless, but still cool. awesome. Shout out to Carson winning the race um, and getting it done. Um, shout out, dude. Hopefully you're listening to this too. If not, I'm going to text you and make sure you listen. to it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe I almost <laughs> forgot about that. That's, that's pretty fun. I, Mark Martin is our guest this week, and uh, you know I, I don't think Mark Martin's going to go win a, an Xfinity or a truck race uh, anytime too soon, but he's done more than enough uh, winning in his NASCAR career. Uh, truly an honor to have Mark Martin on the third episode of Power Hour. Brennan, what do you say we bring him in? Mark Martin. Let's bring, let's bring the legend in. Let's bring him in. Brennan, you and I are now joined by a very special guest, NASCAR Hall of Famer, Mark Martin is in the house. Mark Martin is on Power Hour. Mark, thank you so much for being on. <laughs> My pleasure, man. I'm, uh, I'm I'm glad you guys had me on. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. The most powerful hour just got even more powerful. You know, Mark, you are our first Hall of Fame guest. I remember, and I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of years ago, you were on another live stream that I do with some friends of mine. And I remember you telling us then that uh, when you first got nominated and voted into the hall of fame 
you felt a little like kind of weird about it at first. It took some getting used to. Uh, I don't know. Now that it's been a few more years, has it finally settled in? You're a NASCAR Hall of Famer. You are one of the greats. Like, what is that? What does it feel like to be a Hall of Famer? Man, it's hard to describe it, but the reason I felt that way is because the the ones that went in before me were my absolute heroes, uh, and and the 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 heroes of the sport that uh, that today's racing's built on their backs, and just to have gone in, especially as early as I did. Um, you know, it was just uh, absolutely indescribable how it made me feel. But it was certainly the, um, you know, it, it was crown jewel of my career by far. We're going to bounce around a little bit here, Mark. I don't want to just ask you about your past, but but I, I kind of upfront want to ask you, like, how often do you find yourself reminiscing about your racing career or your history in the sport? Is it often or do you kind of you're more for, focused on what's next? I'm focused an awful lot on what's next, but I also uh, am in the middle of an awful lot of activity having to do with my career. My son, Matt, has, uh, you know, initiated and got started a book that, that he wanted to wanted me to do. I was not interested in doing a book, but uh, I'm really excited about it now. Matt couldn't He's uh, he's sort of an author, but he couldn't write this book. So we got uh, Bones uh, Berchier, uh lined up to be the you know the writer of it, but it's in my words. And anyway, a long story short, that book uh, you know we've been working on this for over a year. Wow! And that has dug up an awful lot of of past uh, stuff. And so Matt thought that he would start an Instagram page called Mark Martin Archive because we were, you know, coming up with so much or he was coming up with so much through his research, uh, helping with the book. So he started this Instagram page and it just went crazy. So uh, everybody was asking for merchandise. So he started all this merchandise and it's just blown him away. And of course, I have to be involved in uh, a whole lot of that. So it's daily. I mean, Matt is really going crazy. And the merchandise, man, he is uh, uh, worked on and releasing first win, you know, like, like win diecast from yeah. like very first win. That was, he's, he's, he's releasing uh, and, and, has four up for pre-order now, four different ones from the early nineties, none of which were ever done when, uh, when, uh, uh, die casts. And so he's got that going, he's doing merchandise, t-shirts, all these incredible designs, all small number, uh, uh, you know, so I don't want to really <laughs> drag the thing out on that, but to answer your question, it's daily, but it's daily really because of, of what Matt is doing. That's interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like you are thinking a lot about the past as you're building this, uh, this whole project out. That's exciting. I've seen uh, some of the stuff on Mark Martin ar archives, the t-shirt designs look incredible. So I encourage everyone to go check uh, those out. Um, well, so I guess since you've been thinking about your career and I don't want you to spoil everything that's going to be in the book, but 
uh, I wanted to ask, you know, what do you remember most? Do you remember the the losses, the near misses, or do you remember the big wins that the trophies you've collected? It's kind of a split. It's probably a third. No, it's probably 20%, the big wins. <laughs> um, and then it's probably 30%, you know, the, the bumbles and fumbles and uh, running out of gas and blowing up engines was ridiculous and a few poor decisions along the way. So I lost a lot of races. I mean, I, I lost a lot of races. <laughs> and so, you know, you think about that some, um, you know, and just different things. It's kind of sprinkled up. You don't want to ask me what my biggest wins in my career were. You've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Arkansas State Championship in the six-cylinder division in 1974 at uh, I-30 Speedway in Arkansas. Wow. Uh, a big dirt late model race in 76 in Baltimore, Missouri. Uh, the National Short Track Championship at Rockford, Illinois in 1977. Dude, we didn't know we could do it. It would be like going to your very first Daytona 500 and winning it. When we have any idea we could win the national short track championship when we went to to compete in that against the greatest race car drivers you know in the nation uh late model race car drivers in the nation at the time so those are bigger wins than my first nascar win was 1989 uh you know at uh at uh, uh rockingham by the way, that's the first diecast that Matt got done. And people just think this stuff comes out of the air. How do you think that you can find a approval from Stroh's Light <laughs> to do this diecast? You have to get approvals from everyone, you know, Roush, you know, all these different. But, but anyway, so I remember, uh, you know, I, those are those wins. You know, and then the 2009 win at uh, at Phoenix, because I thought I was never going to win again. And that's an, a feeling, a euphoric feeling that I can't describe to you. Um, probably the thing I miss most about racing is looking up at that lit, lighted scoreboard and seeing my car number on the top. That's euphoria like I can't describe. They don't make a drug like that. <laughs> I, I I know the I know the feeling. I know what you, I know what you mean. I mean it it kind of leads into a question I did want to ask you, although I think you kind of answered it. I was gonna say, do you do you have a trophy um from a race that you that you won that you've kept that might be your favorite trophy or something that just the story behind it means so much to you that um that maybe it's a story you'd be willing to share about it or, or something like that? So when I was coming up through racing, of course, you know, uh, coming up the ranks, I kind of kept lots of my trophies, most of my trophies. And I got married in 1984 and I had won a lot of races, three ASA championships. And I had all these trophies and we moved, we moved seven times in the first five years we were married and uh, two of those early places 
that we moved to were apartments. And after, you know, after one or two moves with all this stuff, I didn't have, you know, dude, I threw them all in the, and those would mean more to me than any NASCAR trophy ever would. And I think you'll get this, Brendan, because the reason why is because my handprints were all over those cars. Like I, I hung the bodies. Uh, I did the chassis setups. Uh, you know, I, 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 I did the tires. Um, so those wins to me were more personal to me than a NASCAR win when all I ever did was climbed in the car and drove it, you know, and all these, uh, incredible people did the work on them. So that's kind of a long story to answer your question. I don't have any trophies in my home. Um, I don't really have any specific trophy that is, uh, particularly, uh, important to me. Um, everything that I have is in Batesville, Arkansas at Mark Martin Ford in a museum there. I've got about a dozen race cars. Um, pretty proud. I had, uh, I had a great career, worked with some of the greatest people that ever been in motorsports. And I had three different $1 million paydays. <laughs> All three of those cars are on display at, at the museum, along with, you know, my, my first win, uh, car, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and many others, uh, the 2002, um, the all-star win car from 2005 is there. 2002 Coke 600 car is there. So it's a lot of cool stuff there, but I don't ever go there. I don't really ever see it. You know, it's mm. kind of in Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've heard you say recently, or you've said it repeatedly, I think in recent years that, you know, you're not, you're not, you're done racing cars. You know, if, if the SRX calls, you're not, you're not racing. Yeah. You know, that's not what you do anymore. And so I was curious, like, when did that switch like flip for sure? When did you finally decide that, you know, it's been a great run, done a lot of fun things, but that part of my life is in the past. When did that switch flip? If you, if you know. Late that night at Homestead in 2013, after I stepped out of the 14 car for the final time, the switch went off. I have no interest in spinning my tires. Nothing. I don't, it's just over. It was 40 years. I was pretty damn good at what I did <laughs> and I wouldn't damn, you know, be any good at it. Now, why in the hell would I be interested in doing any of that? I just, it's gone. That was 40 years, a chapter, and now I'm moving on to uh, other other things in life. And it was a good time. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, to have the career that I had. But for me, that that's closed. When would you say was like the most fun you had during your racing career? Because I imagine it's a lot of business. It's a lot of scrutinizing details. So when would you say you were just, I don't know, enjoying it the most? I started having a lot of fun uh, in 2007. As soon as I quit racing full time, mm. uh, ch chasing that, that championship 
pretty much ruined my life for, uh, for, for, you know, uh, almost a decade, uh, maybe more, maybe more than a decade, but at least a decade, it took all the joy out of it. Uh, and once I quit chasing championships and got in that 01 car, uh, and knew that I was leading the points when I stepped out of the car, you know, I was, uh, I did not care. I was just racing because I loved it and because I love working with the great people and all that stuff. So I had a blast in, in 07 and 08, but then in 2009, I did not race for, for points, but I did finally, after turning Rick Hendrick down twice, I finally took him up on one full-time season because I wanted to win. I wanted to, to experience the euphoria of winning one more time. And, uh, and of course, you know, we won two out of the first, you know, six or eight races. And so I signed up for two more years right then. I was like, I'm digging this, you know, I'm fine <laughs> run. So, um, you know, the, we, we, I had a blast while I raced for, for Rick. Um, and so it was really, really fun all the way, uh, from, from 07 on till, till I finished up in 2013 had an incredible time driving for MWR, Michael Waltrip, and working with Rodney Childers and some of the greatest uh, people in the sport. Michael had such an amazing uh, organization in 2012 and 2013. Uh, very, very underrated and 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 uh, went you know somewhat unnoticed, but it was an incredible organization. I want to pivot a little to uh, more present day stuff. Uh, first off, Mark, I, I know you're very busy. It sounds like with, with the book and the Mark Martin archive. So, how much NASCAR racing today do you find yourself watching? How often are you at the racetrack watching on TV? I have no interest in going to the racetrack. I go to a couple, maybe a year. Uh, but you know, I did that, uh, and people don't understand it. It's no fun for me to go to the racetrack because as soon as, as soon as they start those engines, I'm like lost. I mean, yeah. where am I go? What am I supposed to do? You know, it's like I love watching it on TV. I'll go to a race once in a while. You know, if there's some activities that, uh, you know, that I I should be a part of or or could be a part of, but for the most part, I watch it. Uh, if I can't watch it live, I tape it. If I can't, uh, I'll follow it on Twitter, which is an incredible resource for, uh, you know, for anything like that. Uh, but you know, you can, you can know an awful lot about the race, just following your Twitter feed as the race is going on. If you can't see it or listen to it, I'm a huge race fan. Uh, it's not just NASCAR top three divisions. I'm a huge uh, late model dirt uh, fan, a uh, big fan of Davenport's. Um, really excited to see Davenport race uh, the truck and cup car at Bristol. Yeah. Um, it's a really neat uh, opportunity for him. Um, 
so you know, I, I love racing. I, I I follow I follow it all the time. I've you know, I hate it in you know December, you know when there's nothing going on. I love it when January goes around. And they start those late model uh, dirt guys start racing about every night, and uh, it's so fantastic now. You can you know you can follow this stuff on uh, you know you can watch it on on the internet. And it's just like having another television channel. I mean, it's high definition. It's fabulous. So, you know, I'm a, a subscribed to, you know, all, all flow racing and the, the dirt uh, uh, vision and um, and XR racer XR. They uh, do a fabulous job and are really promoting some really cool uh, dirt track racing as well. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you mark um because i'm i'm coming up on a birthday i'm about to turn 32 you know so by by the time this comes out i might actually be 32 but i wanted to see what would you tell yourself as a 30 year old race car driver knowing everything that you know now you know i'm uh, you know what would you tell him because for me you know i feel like i'm very much you know in the middle part of my career i've been racing in the top three series now for the last seven years and um you know you talked a little bit about all those guys going to the hall of fame before you, how you looked up to those guys, those were the guys, but for us, for this generation, you know, you're one of those guys for us. So um, for me, I think it would just be, it'd be really cool to to hear what you, you would have to say to your 30 year old self for me being a 30 year old race car driver right now. Well, for me, I, I wish I would have soaked it in a little bit, soaked it up a little bit, enjoyed it the moment just a little bit. I was so hyper focused on making it happen and going faster, you know, and doing better. And and I was very hyper focused on the car, not just driving. In fact, I wish I would have focused a little bit on on driving skill because I didn't. I, I I worked on physical fitness and car. Those were the the two things I did. But uh, I would highly recommend you. Just try to soak it in because it doesn't last forever. And, you know, when I was, when I was racing, I didn't think about it not lasting forever. All I could think about was trying to win this race. And I mean, if I ran a, a bush, which is a Xfinity race, the minute I crossed the, got the checkered flag, I no longer even thought about that race. I was immediately hyper-focused on how are we going to get the cup car to handle this good? Do we need to raise a track bar? Do we need to move this? Do we need to make this spring change? You know, I went directly and I hurried right through, you know, the, the victory lane stuff, uh, hurried right through the press stuff so that I could get to my cup car. And that's just kind of an example of how I operated I look back on it now, and I think I could have probably been just as successful uh, if I would have soaked it in just a little bit. Good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I understand it. I'm trying to soak it up as much as I can because I've I've heard that before, and I'm trying. But I also get from your perspective. I mean, when that race is over, you're thinking about the next one, and it's just like you know, and some of that, you know. Uh, 
equates to a lot of your success, I believe, but also uh, understanding too, you know, and enjoying it and knowing it doesn't last. I mean, it's not, it's not going to last for forever and trying to soak in those moments. I think I'm doing a better job of that now than I was my first, you know, three or four years in the sport. I mean, I can kind of understand you talking about just like the challenges and chasing that championship and chasing after those wins. And for me in my career, I, I, you know, I had a difficult part of my career and, you know, I ended up driving in back in the truck series in 2019 and I started to have fun again and like falling back in love with the sport and just driving. But I was in there in the shop with my guys and I was back working on the truck with them. And, you know, I just kind of fell back in love with the sport again. And that's kind of what propelled me into where I'm at now today. I'm also driving the six, Mark. So I'm trying to bring in some of your your and everything that you did in the six. I need some of that good mojo over here myself. So I'm trying to carry that with me this year in the six. But but um, yeah, I, I totally understand, um, you know, everything that you said, and I'm going to do my best to, to soak it in. So I appreciate you um, giving saying that. Well, I, I, I would like to add to that. You know, you, I, I've seen your struggles. Well, I get that. You haven't seen my struggles. I am a blue collar uh, worker. I'm a working man. Uh I came up through this deal. Uh, I shot directly to the top of the sport. I mean, in my third cup race that I entered at 22 years old with my own little car and not one person that had ever been, you know, to a NASCAR race before that first race, which we qualified fifth at. But in the third race I entered, I sat on the pole of a cup race. At 22 years old, I mean, I shot right from three-time ASA national champion to sitting on the pole to running third at Martinsville uh, in in my in my fifth race with my own pit crew from the Midwest who'd never been, you know, NASCAR, <laughs> no uh, no big-time crew chief, no nothing. It was all, and it just looked like it was going to be easy just like everything else had been. And, um, and I went broke the next year going full-time NASCAR racing with five guys trying to go up against junior Johnson and Bud Moore and, and teams like that, that knew what they were doing. And I didn't have a clue of what I was stepping into to try to race full-time. And I lost everything, lost my entire career, had to have an auction, sell off all my equipment everything i owned every tool everything pay off bills and i had to go back and start my career all over again uh with the late model and it was tough and that's what makes you better and i want to share that with you because you may or may not know that story know my story but i i share that with you as an encouragement that you know if you keep your head down and you keep working there's always a chance that you can get that you can get back even beyond anything that you ever dreamed. It happened for me and it could happen for you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks a lot for saying that. It means a lot to me. It really does. Thanks for sharing the story. I didn't know that story. Um, but um it uh it it hits me, it hits home for me in my heart. So thank you very thanks very much for sharing that. I'm sure you don't probably read a lot of books i i certainly don't typically but i <laughs> to 
reading motorsports books on my heroes. And I would, uh, I would highly recommend you uh, reading my book because I think you would find inspiration in it. Um, most people only know me as an NASCAR winner. Dude, that book ain't about me winning races. It's about how damn hard it was to get there. And, uh, you know, I think it would inspire you. Okay. That's Thank awesome. you. I will, I will for sure. I'm not a race car driver, but I'm absolutely going to check it out as well. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be an inspirational. Um, you know, obviously, Mark, you've left a legacy on the sport. And kind of like Brennan said a moment ago, you're, uh, you know, a lot of drivers today would look up to you as one of their heroes or would cite you as, you know, that's who I wanted to race like. Um, I kind of want to tie this into a more current conversation. I'm sure you've kept up, Mark, but in the last couple of weeks, there's I don't know, maybe even the last couple of years, there's a debate about over aggressive racing, racing etiquette on track. How much has it changed? Is it good? Is it worse than it's ever been? And, you know, a lot of drivers look at you as someone who, you know, upheld a, a certain standards, a, a level of driver code when you raced. And I think some would say that that's been lost. I don't know if you've seen any of the exact quotes that I'm sort of referring to, but how do you feel the racing etiquette in NASCAR today uh, has changed or has it changed since, since you were racing? Oh my God, it's changed. Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of elements that bring it to where it is today. And, you know, just a whole lot, you know, from uh, growing up as a kid, you know, in the uh, tech technology age to racing online uh, to, it's just all about you and much less about the sportsmanship. Like what I liked about racing, what I was taught to race, you know, there were people that led me and, and helped me develop the code. And matter of fact, I, I conformed to their code because I wanted their approval. The greats like Dick Trickle and uh, Bob Sinekar and, and, uh, you know, Tom Refner and, uh, some of the greatest of all time, they had a code and, you know, you just, I mean, a lot of times in Wisconsin, I went to Wisconsin in 77, my first year in asphalt racing, because you could race five nights a week and twice on Sunday. So you could race, you know, five, six, seven times a week. Well, these guys, you know, and they, and a lot of them were regular shows paid four or 500 to win. So, I mean, they made it right quick. Hey, this is what you do. Your right front tire isn't past my rear tire. You get out. It's my track. You know, if you get your tire past my rear tire, it's your track and I will not crowd you. And we ain't tangling. Because after the race, we're going to the tavern. <laughs> we're not going to get these damn cars tonight and take them to the racetrack tomorrow. And you learned a sort of sportsmanship where you raced your guts out, but may the best man win. And that's the way that was. That won't work anymore. You know, it's a different generation of, of, of people. It's a different generation that we live in. 
Um, NASCAR rules have, have, have also forced this. I mean, sometimes you think, why run 500 miles? Just line them up in, in, in inverted points and have three green, white checkers. Careful. You're going to give NASCAR an idea there. (laughs) I'll come down to that. I mean, there's hardly ever that didn't, you know, the mayhem green, white checkered. I mean, there's almost never a race that there isn't a caution inside 10 to go. And they're real cautions. Now used to be bogus, (laughs) but now real, you know, the intensity gets up and somebody screws up and, runs over somebody else and they got a caution. So it all comes down to that. And so it's all just cutthroat and it's fun to watch. I mean, I'm thinking about it. It's fun to watch. I would, gee, I'd be seriously thinking about another career if I was a driver, you know, in this era, because I don't like it I, uh, from a driver's standpoint. It's crap shoot. You don't get a chance to go out there and earn what you get as much as it just, you know, how things happen. It's too much like, you know, restrictor plate racing, you know, in that, you know, it's not what you do that makes you, it's not your move that makes it the right move. It's what everybody else does that determines whether you made the right move or not. And, Dude, it's fun to watch. I, I love it. I think the state of the sport right now is the best it ever is, has been. I've never seen in my years, and I started racing NASCAR, started watching NASCAR in the early 70s, started racing NASCAR uh, in 81. The competition on the racetrack's never been as good as it is today. It's the best it's ever been in history. But it's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you're not really coming down on one side or the other. So, but so like, do you like, do you feel like some drivers maybe should make an effort to try and change the culture? Like, like it's still going to be very competitive, but like, would you like to see these races not settled by, you know, bumper tag as often as they seem to be now? I, you know, the way I see these races, I like, the bumper tag. I don't like it when it results in the guy receiving losing control. I don't mind. I would, I'd much rather see side clacking than bumpers rubbing. Side clap clacking. You've seen that. I, you know, we did that all the way back. You know, if you're just rubbing this, you know, or little tire rub or a little, little you know something like that um that's incredible that's awesome um i i don't mind a little bit of bump and run or a little shoving or whatever that's all cool i just don't like it when you know when when the guy in front goes around or whatever uh i'd rather see it be a little bit closer to a fair fight uh like maybe not do it if you did it with a lap to go or two laps to go, maybe, you know, the guy can get back to you. <laughs> In my day, you couldn't get back to somebody that, 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 that did give you a shot because they were faster than you. So when you got by, yeah. 
they couldn't, hard as they try, they couldn't get up there and, and give it back to you. The way the cars are today, you know, it, they're they're closer to equal and you can get up on, on the wheel and make something happen and get up there and kind of pay it back. It's all about excitement um, and the fans are getting it now and I'm, I'm not opposed to it as a fan. I would certainly be opposed to it as a competitor. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I growing up, I mean, I've seen it kind of change a little bit myself from when I started to where I'm at now. And of course, like you say, the cars being closer to equal and all that, I think also makes it kind of worse because guys can't get back to one another. But yeah, I mean, I've moved people out of the way to to win races, but on that note, I was, I either ran them down in the closing laps and had to make something happen or, or did it and drove away and still won, won the race. So I think similar to like what we saw at Coda not long ago, where it's just like so inviting for everyone to drive in there. It was just like crazy, just running over all over. It kind of reminded me of the legend cars at the summer shootout in a way, in the semi-pro class. Mark, I don't know. I think you had, had gone out there and I think maybe Matt raced the legend cars too. So yeah, it, that's kind of what it reminds me of. It's like everyone just is slamming into one another to try to get ahead. And there's no, that, that real racing of running someone down, getting to the bumper, maybe moving them a little bit, door banging and racing for the win. We don't see that as much anymore i think i saw a clip where jeff gordon moved rusty wallace out of the way um i think i don't it was in the early 2000s for the win at bristol and i'm like that's you know that's racing we don't quite see that that it's almost like they just get wrecked or um more or similar to like what happened to you mark in pocono hate to bring it up but joey pretty much wrecked i mean you know joey you know sorry joey but you know kind of moved you out of the way pretty aggressively in turn one on the on the final lap too and it's it's like kind of around then it's almost like the stuff it started getting more and more crazy wild finishes like we see now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and once one guy does it, then the next guy thinks he might need to do it. And after you get two or three doing it, yeah, the whole field has to be that way. There's no going for multiple reasons, you know, like I said, the, the, uh, the cars being closer to equal, um, you know, it's just, you know, today it's just different. I mean, back in the day, the fun racing was, you would have Earnhardt leading a race and have a big bad pit stop and he would come out in 18th and in five laps, he'd be leading again. Now that was exciting. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, you, that, that ain't gonna happen now. Yeah. That's why, at least like you saw at Richmond with tires, at least you really desperately need comers and goers in these races. And most of the asphalt that you race on is too good. And the tire's too good. And if the asphalt's too good, you can't make a. It's impossible to make a tire that works, sorry. You know, so... It has a lot to do with the composition of the mix of the asphalt. And the last time they did Darlington, I mean, Darlington's okay. It's okay now. But the last time they did Darlington was completely different. You know, it was more like racing on concrete. And it has, even though the tires do back up a lot now, it's been a long time since it was paved. 
it's just it's it's a little bit different. Charlotte's different. You know, Charlotte used to be the most fun. It was like racing. The pavement was like racing at at uh, I would say like at Richmond is today. So it was, uh, you know, there were a lot of comers and goers, long run handling, short run handling, new tires, no tire, you know, two tire, all that stuff. We don't have enough of that now. And I don't know really how you get it because the cars themselves are probably the gap between the fast car and the slow car is probably only 25% of what it was back then. So you already you know, you already don't have a discrepancy in the car, a huge discrepancy in the car's speed. Then you have these great tires. Then you have, uh, you know, all, uh, you know, the, the, the great asphalt and that makes it tough. And it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's a different day and age than it used to be. And, and racing is different. It's fun as heck. Uh, very, very, very good competition on the racetrack but it's different i mean if you watch the race from the early 90s you might see three cars on the lead lap at the finish and you you know you you'd say damn that was a good race <laughs> there would be mass hysteria today and you still look back on those races and you think damn that's good but it it isn't like they are today it's different it's almost like yeah. today everything is is too good. Like you're saying, the the tracks, the tires, the cars, I, the aero, it's all too good. It, it's, <laughs> I really wish that there was um, the tracks were the surfaces were hard, like harder on the tires, or however that needs to be. It, it definitely needs to um, at some of these places for sure. I mean, I was around when they. I mean, I ran the old surface of Pocono, and then I've ran the new surface of Pocono. I was like one of the last races there it was like my first time running a big track. And when they had the grip strip and all that in there and I just, you know, these tracks, they just, they don't wear out. I mean, Pocono, Michigan, like Kansas just now started wearing out where we can move up and run the wall and you can kind of have some different passing links for a few laps and then everyone runs up by the fence. But, um, you know, for so long, they were just one groove tracks. You're almost wide open all the way around the place until the tires get hot. And then you're kind of lifting a little bit, but you can't, you can't pass or, or, or do much. You're just kind of stuck. You know, I, I know like in my career, we, in the, in the first parts of it, when I was racing all these new paves, it was okay on the restart. How many positions can we get on the restart? And then can you hold that position after that restart and hold it until we get to the next one. And maybe we get a spot or two on pit road and then rack them up and try to do it again. Can you get a couple more and hold that spot? Because you just couldn't really do much on the, on the new paved track. So I would like to definitely see the tracks get more worn out. Darlington is pretty good now. It's pretty, it's pretty worn out. It's like driving. It reminds me of like racing at Salem in a way. With, with, yeah. You're like, you're like, you're like half throttle down the backstretch, like, whoa, you know, right now. It's a lot of fun. I think Darlington's one of the best races we have to watch just because there's more passing and more stuff happening during those races than, than there are at, you know, some of the mile and a half that we have, where it's just, you have plenty of grip and a good tire. You can't do anything. Absolutely. And there's another thing that, that this is a technical thing, but I want to get into it just real shortly because no one's it's always falling on deaf ears and i've even heard top drivers this year call for more downforce which is dumber than hell in 1990 a great great race car with the grill open 
and race trim would have zero in the front. Most race cars had lift in the front. If you had yours making zero, not lift, you were doing something. And you had 250 uh, pounds of downforce in the back. No one ever, ever, ever said one word about aero type. Ever. You'd never heard of the term. And to me, you know, it just continues to go. I, I applaud NASCAR for trying to keep, you know, as much downforce off the outside of the car. I like the short spoilers. I think there's way too much downforce on the cup, current cup cars. I think the underside, you know, I, I applaud them for trying to make the downforce on the underbody of the car and take it away from the top hopefully to make it better in traffic, they're still super, super aero sensitive. And to me, that's never going to go away. You know, they, and they have that problem. They had that problem for a long time in F1 and, and in IndyCar and, and, you know, NASCAR cars just kept making more and more and more and more. And there's no going back. No one wants to hear it. But if you, but we raced the hell out of those cars with, with zero in the front and 250 down in the back and nobody, you know, nobody, that nobody had ever raced with 2000 pounds of downforce. And, uh, you know, once you have you, you know, it's hard to go back and nobody ever will, you know, NASCAR will not ever even go in that direction. Drivers won't have it tire companies nobody will have it but it's a shame because uh you know the racetracks need to be like darlington and like richmond where dude you can't run a fuel stop you've got to stop and tires way before you burn all the fuel out mark we really appreciate your time uh, i have one final question that i kind of want to wrap things up brendan if you have another one you can jump in after me but my last question for you mark is there any active driver uh, and it doesn't even have to be nascar but any current driver that you think reminds you the most of yourself when you were racing there's different aspects of different guys i mean there there are some things about ross chastain that i really identify with and like um yeah you know and and i and, and i love um you know for me you know, that's tempered a little bit with more aggressive, more aggression than, uh, than I think situations require. I think you can want it really bad and drive really hard and still be a little bit tidier, uh, tidier. But, I like that. That's a good word to yeah. use tidier, <laughs> <laughs> but I love Chastain. Yeah. Uh, I'm not in Kyle Larson's league. I'm just not. No, but not neither is hardly anybody else. I'm a huge Kyle Larson fan. Uh, he came up in a different era, you know, and he, and he didn't work on cars. And I identify with people that work, worked on their own cars, like Rusty Wallace and I, uh, for example. We came up uh, as teenagers all the way through our careers, side-by-side -side racing. But I really... Uh, Kyle Larson is, is, uh, we need to be standing in awe of the greatness 
uh, that that Kyle Larson, the talent that Kyle Larson has, and uh, you know, and I like the fact that he's pretty darn humble about it as well. Um, you know, I like I like Martin Truex Jr. Uh, Martin probably of current drivers reminds me the most of myself, my timber temperament and whatnot. Um, so I'm a big, big Truex fan. I can see that. Yeah. I can put two and two together. Yeah. That, that, absolutely. Um, well, Mark, uh, again, we really appreciate your time, uh, spending so much time with us this afternoon. Uh, I'm sure all the viewers and listeners at home, uh, absolutely love hearing from you anytime, uh, you're in the media, anytime you're talking, I think people are listening. Um, one more time. That's markmartinarchive.com, correct? That's where, uh, uh, t-shirts, diecast pre-orders are available. And I, I know I'm looking forward to that book. Uh, again, I'm not a race car driver, yeah. but I know I'll get something out of it. So, uh, but Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. We really and truly appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you both. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Good luck with your show. Huge thank you again to Mark Martin for being on Power Hour. Brendan, that was uh, special. You and I were just sitting here talking about uh, the advice he gave you. Like, I was yeah. trying to like step aside, let y'all have your, kind of hash it out, have your moment. Yeah. Uh, but that yeah. impactful stuff from the legend yeah. himself. It was, yeah, I think that was a powerful conversation. Um, and it was cool to uh, be able to ask those questions. I'm mean, Eric, you asked some good questions too, though, man. I mean, a couple, was like, I hope. Yeah. The I viewers was, will I, be the judge. I was, I was it was pretty awesome to hear everything he had to say about everything about where the sports at the advice. I don't even, I mean, yeah, I mean, crazy advice. I didn't even know Mark Martin. He was like, yeah, I've seen what's happened with you. And it's like, what? Okay. That was kind of cool <laughs> to, to hear that. Um, so great. yeah, that was, that was awesome. So yeah. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you. Well, uh, I mentioned the viewers at home as we will wrap up every episode of power hour. We have a couple fan questions that we picked out that were, uh, asked on our last episode that uh, Brennan, I have a question for you. I think you have a question for me. Before we get to those, one more reminder, uh, Circle B Diecast, you can use code OOTG on their website, circlebdiecast.com to get free shipping on orders over $30. And a little birdie told me recently, and I I can't confirm any of this, but a little birdie told me that these uh, beautiful uh, out of the groove Brennan Poole Diecast cars that, you know, the car ran at Phoenix last fall, uh, they might be shipping out hopefully by May, maybe late May. So you might start getting them early June. That's not confirmed, but that's what I've been told. So uh, fingers crossed that's uh, indeed the case. Um, Brennan, uh, I'm going to go and ask you uh, a fan question first. I've got it pulled up right here. Uh, and I love this guy's name, Waldwick. I think that's his name. That's what it looked like on his YouTube username. Waldwick Person uh, asked, how much personal time do you have between races? As in, how much time do you have between team meetings, being in the simulator, traveling between tracks, et cetera, to do whatever you want during the season? Yeah, that's a, I mean, yeah, such a good question. Um, I have this hour. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, um, you know, I do some stuff for myself, but I mean, a lot of it, some of it is still racing forward. Like I, I'm starting, it's starting to get warm now. So I'll be cycling, road cycling a lot mm. outside, which technically that is in my own free time, but I love riding my bike a lot. Like I just like doing it. Like, yes, it's a workout and I'm working out and it's hard, but I really enjoy being out there on the road in nature, pedaling my bike 
like, I don't know, there's just something about it that's like therapy for me. So yeah. like that, I really like. And then, yeah, I mean, in the evenings, I'm still, I'm playing Call of Duty with my friends. I'm playing Fortnite still. I'm probably really um, ending some of y'all's games that are watching this. It's me <laughs> and the boys. <laughs> um, uh, just, no, I'm not kidding at all. We definitely are ending your games. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I am doing some other things like that. I get to, you know, I, I, I get home from the shop. I, I go to the shop every week um, before the races. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm usually go at the shop and um, or I'm cycling for like the whole day. I go on like 60 mile cycle rides. So it oh, takes wow. a majority of the day. Um, so I'm doing stuff like that. And then um, in the evening, I'm like cooking dinner, hanging out with Lindsay. I'm watching shows. I'm keeping up. I I, I really enjoy shows and move to TV and movies. I think that's like a lot of uh, um fans probably do know that about me but um i just love movies and shows always have and um so you know i'm into watching a lot of i'm watching uh school spirits right now on paramount plus uh it's very good you should check it out if you haven't especially you eric um so yeah i do a lot of stuff like that i cook dinner with Lindsay, hang out play games like i said with my with my friends and then yeah usually thursday or friday um in the morning i'm headed to the plane we all fly on like a plane uh team plane and uh i'm on there with like four or five six other um race teams and uh and we we fly to the race and then i'm, I'm racing saturday and flying home after the race and i get sunday to, to kind of do whatever i want which again it really boils around to what am i gonna cook <laughs> and what am i gonna watch am i watching a show am i watching a movie am i or is uh, what's what's happening like after the cup race i'm usually cooking during the cup race and like watching it. i have like a tv that i turn towards my kitchen and Lindsay and i mm. cook and watch the race and stuff like that which what i like doing that's one of my favorite things to do is to cook and have the race going that's like one of my if you know if i'm not in the race that's what i'd rather be doing gotcha that's good that's a yeah. full week yeah it's a full week but i have i do have a lot of time to myself especially ending kids fortnite games um <laughs> So I do have a good question for you. I thought this was a great, a, a great question. Okay. Um, John Rubino, I think that's how you say it. Sorry, John, so. if I mess that up. But um, he said he got to see you firsthand at Daytona. Um, yeah. See this happening, but he wanted to know how does it feel when fans come up to you before the race and they're wearing your gear and they're <laughs> wanting to take pictures with you and all that kind of stuff. Oh gosh, uh, actually, yeah, I do. I have met John at uh, I think it was at Daytona this year. He's I think. I've seen him in common stuff. He's been watching my videos for a long time. So I appreciate the question inflating my ego a little bit here. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm easy to spot at racetracks. I mean, I'm really tall. I mean, most people listening, watching this know that I, I'm, I stand out in a crowd. So I'm used to people coming up to me and, and asking me questions or wanting to get a photo. I think it's amazing. I think it's great. Uh, it, it blows me away every single time. Um, this year, especially after we did the whole Phoenix deal, Brennan, where we had crew shirts and t-shirts we sold hundreds of those yeah. things, I've started to see those out in the wild. And that really blows my mind when someone comes up to me in my own shirt with my face on it. That's, <laughs> that is ridiculous. Um, but, uh, incredibly humbling every single time I see it. But, uh, it's funny cause a couple weeks ago at Coda, uh, I went to that race just kind of as a fan. I went with my uh, mom and dad. My, me and my dad used to always go to Texas Motor Speedway at least once, often twice a year. And now that Texas, one of their dates has been moved to Coda. It's a little closer for us in Houston. Um, we have kind of been going to that race the last three years. And this year we brought my mom. My girlfriend came as well. And this was the first time my dad 
got pulled aside by a couple of guys. I don't know. They looked maybe high school, college age. I didn't get their names, unfortunately. My dad got stopped for a selfie by uh, fans of the show because he's made some appearances and videos in the past. They recognized him. He was blown away. If, if those gentlemen are uh, listening or watching this, um, you made my dad's day. I'm pretty sure uh, he was absolutely blown away. So always love the support. It's crazy to see out of the groove stuff out in the wild, but um, I don't know. I, I'm very humbled every time I see it. So I appreciate the yeah. question. That was, that was a good one. Yeah. No, it was good. And and it's cool because I see it too. Um, I see a lot of the crew shirts, especially because you guys did so many, the fans, the groovy yeah. gang, you guys went hard for it. The gang. Got all, scooped up all the merch. And I do, I see it. I see it um, out of the racetrack. Almost every week I see something or I have someone um, come to me, come point at their shirt and it's the the purple and the has yeah. this, your shirt on it that shirt that you made and um yeah it's really it's really cool i actually got circled by children this past week oh in richmond leaving the race and they were all like man we love eric we love the, <laughs> the, the eric's car like are you doing it again like all this stuff and um i oh, mean that's it's, that's it, adorable it's fun man <laughs> yeah it's cool you have such a, a hardcore fan base and it's like crazy that i'm like um, I get to witness those stuff because of the stuff that well, you've done and stuff you've done for me. I'm, so it's I'm cool. glad we're kind of, we've been able to work on things together. And, uh, I think it's just the beginning. This show in many ways is still just the beginning. Um, yeah. but that's, that's adorable. That's amazing to hear. Uh, yeah. on that note, before I blush any harder and like sweat out of my <laughs> seat, um, thank you all so much for listening slash watching the third episode of out of the groove power hour presented by circle B diecast. Uh, Brennan, our next episode will likely be in May. So we've got a few weeks to line up our next guest. It's going to be tough to top Mark Martin, but uh, I think the next hour will be yeah. just as powerful. Brennan, any final thoughts before we uh, pack things up and head to Br- uh, Bristol? Wait, are you going to Bristol? Like, there's, there's no Xfinity Bristol, right? What are you, what are you doing no this weekend? There's no Xfinity at Bristol. I'm going to the race, okay. but I'm, I'm not driving. Um, oh. I it, Sadly, I'm not. It, it would have been cool to hop in a truck or a cup car or something. I would have <laughs> done it. But uh, no, my, I'm going to hang out with uh, some of my sponsors nice. who are also going to the race. And we're going to hang out, watch a dirt race. And I'm going to have a good time. Um, as a fan and as a racer, we're watching everything yeah. and still get it all up in case I have to do it next year and race on the dirt. So, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun to just hang out and have a good time and, and watch the race. And, and, uh, so I'll be there, I'll be there hanging out and, uh, having, having fun. And, and, uh, I might even listen to this episode back on my drive up there this weekend and, uh, and enjoy this, uh, wonderful hour in probably 12 minutes. I'm going to throw that out there. One hour, 12 minutes, power hour yeah. and 12. I'm looking at the timer and granted, I haven't edited this yet. I think we did go over an hour once again. Well, one of yeah. these days we'll get it right at an hour and I will be so happy. No, we can't do it. It has to always be over. It's an hour and 12 minutes. Hour no matter plus. what. Well, um, we th- we appreciate each and every one of you for sticking around, listening to us uh, ramble and talk racing, talk movies, talk whatever. Um, we will see you again next month on the next episode of Power Hour. <laughs>